I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, I'll dress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Barbie doll fans will recognize the iconic 1997 song Barbie Girl by Aqua. The song debuted 30 years ago. 64 years ago, Barbie's creator Ruth Handler was inspired to design a 3D version of a paper doll. Handler, who co-founded the Mattel toy company with her husband, rejected criticisms of Barbie's idealized body type. Barbie was an immediate bestseller in the 1950s and remains one of the best-selling toys in the world. Now a new live-action movie, simply titled Barbie, has whipped up enthusiasm from adults about all things Barbie. Why? Joining me remotely, Julie Russell, founder and CEO of Fangirl Fantasy, an event planning company based in Greater Boston. Hi, Julie. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm great. Also with me, Emily Tamkin, journalist and author of the Smithsonian Magazine article, A Cultural History of Barbie. Hello, Emily. Hi, great to be here. I'm glad to have you. And also with me, Azusa Sakamoto, a renowned Barbie collector and founder of Azusa Barbie. Welcome, Azusa. Hi, Kelly. I'm just delighted to have all three of you for this great conversation. Um, I want to start here. Let's play the commercial for Barbie from the 60s, just so people get a sense of, uh, you know, what that was like back in the day. Someday I'm going to be exactly like you. Till then I know just what I'll do. Barbie, beautiful Barbie. I'll make believe that I am you. You can tell it's Mattel. It's swell. I'm going to start with you, Emily, because uh, your piece was really about looking at icons uh, in American culture for the Smithsonian, and Barbie is one. Um, Why is she one? I think Barbie is and and really has been an American icon since, since her advent for exactly what you hear in this ad, which is that Ruth Handler came up with a doll onto which people, especially young girls, were able to project whatever they wanted um their and imaginings of their future selves and that's that's a really powerful thing i also think that um especially in the beginning what they were expected to project onto her was this you know speaking of american icons this this like classic americana right she was the perfect she was a fashion model she had the perfect outfit and the perfect boyfriend um and what i think is really interesting is that as the decades have gone by what what we can imagine Barbie to be has really shifted um, and, and expanded. Now, one of the things that you um, bring out is that when, when Barbie came out, this was post-war Americans, and there was a great amount of interest in figuring out what the American dream was all about and what it looked like. Right. Um, I first wrote about Barbie in in a professional capacity um, for my book, Bad Jews, and I include, which is about American Jewish identities, and I, I include it because Ruth Handler herself 
was a Jewish woman, um, and came up with this doll at a time that American Jews really had a lot of ambivalence about, you know, had a lot of ambivalence about having the white picket fence and, and what it meant to be, a, you know, secure and white and safe in America. Um, and, and here comes this, this founder um, and this, this entrepreneur, consciously or not, really um, affirming that vision of, of especially white Americana and its representations. Okay. So, Emily, I have to ask you the question. Did you have a Barbie doll? Oh, I had, I had many Barbie dolls. Um, yeah, I, I know my sister and I played with them um, for many years, more, perhaps more years than I will admit on this program um, uh, when I was growing up. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think one of the things that she's criticized for is not being, you know, it's, it's a bad representation of womanhood and the body and, and it's anti-feminist. And I totally understand and hear all of those critiques, but I will say that for my sister and for myself, um, you know, when Ruth Handler said Barbie has always represented that girls can, that, that, that girls and women have choices that like we, you know, we had our Barbies go to college. We had our Barbies uh, take part in feminist protests. <laughs> well, that's what I wanted to hear. All right, Julie Russell, founder and CEO of Fangirl Fantasy. Um, you, as part of your event planning expertise, pulled together this incredible Barbie-themed event um, on the river here in Boston. Tell us about it. Yeah, it was incredible. We uh, hosted a Barbie boat cruise out of uh, the Boston Harbor on June 30th, and we had over 600 Barbie fans come to celebrate the release of the new movie coming out. And I think just the culture of what Barbie um, represents and just, I don't think, you know, just the hype of the movie, we just kind of got to talk about you know, the music and nostalgia and the fashion of Barbie. And we got all all bunch of different Barbies and Kens to show up um, a couple weeks ago. And it was just incredible. Now, um, in that group of folks who came just to hang out and have fun and anticipate the movie, um, did you have a sense that a lot of people were more motivated by the movie or were longtime Barbie fans? Longtime Barbie fans, absolutely. Um, and this event in this movie is just giving them ex an excuse to bring out uh, their fan, their fan excitement. But definitely longtime Barbie fans. Okay, so people showed up in pink. I, I'm told. Oh, swarms of pink. Yes. <laughs> All right. The question to you, Julie Russell: Did you have a Barbie doll? I had many Barbie dolls. I had. The Barbie Dream House. I had the Barbie convertible. I had the Barbie Jeep that you know you could actually ride as a kid when you were young. Um, yes, very big Barbie fan. Okay, good. All right, Azusa Sakamoto. We know that you have yeah. Barbies, um, so we're gonna. I, it's a different question to you, renowned Barbie yeah. collector that you are. Yeah. How many Barbies do you have at this moment, or can you count them? Okay, uh, I. I just stopped uh, counting anymore, but I'm sure I have over 550 doors, uh, which is not a lot as a Barbie collector. Really? It's oh, not? yeah. Oh. No, not at all, at all. Okay. Well, the question to you is, uh, when did you get your first one? I was born and raised in Japan, and when when I was a little, I didn't have any Barbie doll. I had some other fashion doors, but I didn't have Barbie. And my first Barbie thing was not even a doll, but uh, was a lunchbox. And I got my first Barbie lunchbox when I was 15. 
when I was in junior high. And one of the things that I've heard you say, which is really interesting, is that you're not a dog collector. You're a Barbie fan. So explain what you mean by that. Tell me what you mean by that. Oh, okay. So I collect not just a doll, not just Barbie doll, but uh, like all different kinds of accessories for myself, like a T-shirt, shoes, um, whatever uh, Mattel sells, uh, I just collect. And I don't have any other doll besides. Barbie. Yeah. I don't even know much about other doll brands or anything, but I just love Barbie as a brand. Mm. Now, you've heard what Emily had to say uh, about how Barbie or the way that Ruth Handler, the creator, made her was that everybody could try to see themselves in her, even people that don't look like her. Is that how you feel about Barbie? Uh, I So when I first met her, she was already like a huge American pop culture icon to me. So she has been always like a very cool icon. So, and I never felt like Barbie was like, well, she always just gave me like some positive vibes. And she's been just telling me um, how to have fun being a girl. That's what I was uh, always feeling from her. Okay, so obviously you're not a child, and obviously these more than 600 people on Julie's boat were not children. They're all adults. What is it? What What's the enduring pull? What's the thing that keeps you um, admiring uh, being a, a Barbie fan? What holds you? So when I describe Barbie, like I always have to say uh, iconic, um, inspiring, and happy. And, uh, you know, like... Her, her happy girl life is very infectious. So that's how I see Barbie, and I think it's a it's like enough reason to love her, isn't it? Okay, no, no, yeah. happy girl life. I got it. I I think that's true. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, what appears to be a resurgence of interest in Barbie from adults at this moment is the new. Uh, Barbie movie. So let's take a listen to the clip from the official Barbie movie trailer starring Margot Robbie, Will Ferrell, and Ryan Gosling. Wow, this is the real world. (laughs) What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic. So now, Emily, obviously, you know, we're getting our legs pulled in every direction on this. But, you know, Greta Gerwig is a very thoughtful director, and this is her project. Uh, so we, we who have not seen more than the trailer are anticipating that there will be some themes and that sh- and some, uh, some comments she's making on society uh, bigger than just our enjoyment of Barbie. What say you? I completely agree with you. And two things have really struck me from the way that they've been promoting this movie. The first is that they've really played out this that played up this idea of the possibility of Barbie, right? You've seen in the ads where they're like, this Barbie's president, this Barbie's a mermaid, this Barbie's an author. And 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 the fact that they've cast Barbies in all shapes, shapes and sizes and people for, who are of different races. Um, um, although obviously Margot Robbie is is playing the Barbie, which one could Cycle, circle back to the criticism that like, well, everyone knows that even as they've diversified Barbie, the real Barbie is still the blonde white one, but I digress. 
Um, so I think that that line of possibility and potential and difference is really interesting. And the other thing, um, you know, she gave this interview to the New York Times where she talked about how people love this doll or people hate this doll, but ultimately the doll is made by and is a reflection of society, um, which I find fascinating that that's, which, which first of all, I agree with. And second of all, I think is, is quite intellectual <laughs> for a movie on Barbie. Um, and so I think, I think that this interplay between this well-loved doll, this highly critiqued doll, and the society that has made and loved and critiqued that doll is going to be fascinating to watch um, to watch how that plays out over just under two hours on the big screen. Oh, I think so too. What do you what do you think, Julie? I'm so excited to see. Yeah, I think the same is like there's representation in the Barbie of, you know, that you can be the businesswoman or, you know, you can be this, you know, on the beach, the beach Barbie. And there's so many different, it's empowering and that, it, you know, Barbie represents giving women the possibility to do whatever she wants to be, you know, Barbie girl. Um, but I think I'm excited that, you know, just from seeing the clips from the trailers that they did do such a broad representation um, and a wide variety um, to really give us a look into the Barbie world. So now, Azusa, you are probably the only one in this conversation that knows more than the rest of us uh, because you've been invited to a lot of events and and the premiere. So don't give it away. Uh, but but given what we're saying, what we think it's all about, would you agree or, or you want to, you know, don't tell us what it's oh, all yeah. about? Yeah. Okay. Go oh, ahead. of course. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So first, I really loved everyone was Barbie in the movie. Uh, I mean, we could see from the trailer already. So this movie was for everyone, not just for Barbie people. And after I watched the movie, uh, it really made me proud of being a woman the most ever. Like, I'm so happy to be a woman. Like, like a very encouraging movie. Okay. Now, what I find interesting about what you just said, Azusa, is that as we looked around to see you know, other people's response to Barbie right now. Um, we found a few people on TikTok, and here's one who really pretty much said kind of what you're saying now. She's saying, uh, explaining why she loves Barbie, and part of it has to do with uh, empowerment. Barbie will literally always be one of my favorite female figures, and I'm going to show you why. Somebody bumps into us, and we say, sorry. You go to a restaurant, and the food they serve you is cold, and you say, Sorry, but could you heat this up for me? We get excited and exuberant about something we're really excited about. And then we instantly say sorry. Like we're afraid of being too big. Or even if we're sad, we say sorry because we're worried about making someone else sad. I think we're worried about offending people. And we shouldn't be. So what do you think about that, Azusa? <laughs> <laughs> I really love um, how Barbie could be um, like a really unapologetically sometimes because I'm also like that and yeah like the whole movie um like I said earlier like uh, it's it's just filled with whole happy girl power vibe okay now um Emily here's the thing that I'm finding fascinating because we have all this renewed interest or renewed or maybe just first time let me make that clear uh, from adults at the, in this moment, at least, that we're hearing about. But it's really a child's doll, and there's a huge appeal to children still at this moment. How do you, how is that reconciled? How, in your work and doing this article, 
how does that balance out? It will be interesting to see how it, how uh, like who the, who the movie's target audience ends up being um, because they didn't just make a straight children's movie as we saw with the Lego movie or the Super Mario movie, which were very popular, obviously. Um, but I think that what they're going for, and I think what I think part of the staying power of Barbie, honestly, has been it's not only culturally ubiquitous, but it can sort of hit you at wherever you are in life. So people who never played with Barbie can sort of experience this as a cultural phenomenon now. Children who are currently playing with Barbie um, or familiar with Barbie can appreciate it as a fun toy. Those of us who grew up with Barbie um, have all of these memories that we bring to this cultural moment. Mm. And that's essentially what therapist Jonathan Decker said after he watched the movie trailer uh, as he explains Barbie's significance. Barbie has received, and the creators of Barbie and what Barbie represents, has received no shortage of criticism and fire throughout her entire history. And yet she has endured. So here's what I want to know from you guys. Why is that? Why does Barbie still exist? In my mind, it's the simplicity. Traditional Barbie is a cipher. You can project yourself onto her. You can project your dreams onto her, your wishes, your hopes, so you can be Barbie. It's easy to identify with her because you just put yourself on her. Which is how we began this conversation. <laughs> um, uh, Julie, do you have a thought about why little girls and grown folks uh, in this moment seem to be on the same page about Barbie? <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, for the grown adults, it's the nostalgia of remembering where you were when you got your first Barbie or, you know, the merchandise and that you had growing up. Um, and then I do think for the kids of this time, it's, you know, it's also relatable for parents with kids that, you know, growing up that had Barbies and now they get to pass them down to their children and that bonding experience. But I really think um, specifically right now is uh, nostalgia is such a big mm. um, thing where, you know, it's just relatable and you want to be able to like, you know, think back like, oh, those are the good times or, oh, I remember that friend that I used to play Barbie with or where I was when this happened. And actually, Julie, you reminded me that um, you had said that uh, there were moments on your Barbie-themed cruise with more than 600 enthusiasts on there where that nostalgia was so present, where folks were really immersing themselves back to, um, you know, 90s music and feeling one with the moment and everybody there was on the same page. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, the, you know, we played uh, music, obviously, from the Barbie soundtrack and the Dua Lipa, uh, you know, Dance the Night Away and the pop, you know, hitting that really pop music and staying on the vibe and, you know, the new Barbie girl into the, you know, aqua Barbie girl. And um, but, you know, we're playing, you know, the 90s Britney Spears and NSYNC, Backstreet Boys and really the music of the generation of when, you know, we were playing with Barbies um, and really in that 90s era of, you know, the adults that we're playing with. And, you know, in that Barbie hype you know, at that time when we were younger and kind of bringing back that music just to kind of tie it all together. I'm Callie Crossley, and you're listening to Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. My guests are Julie Russell, CEO of Fangirl Fantasy, a Greater Boston event planning company. Emily Tamkin, journalist and author of the Smithsonian Magazine article, A Cultural History of Barbie. And Azusa Sakamoto a renowned Barbie collector and founder of Azusa Barbie. We're discussing Barbie's enduring legacy. All right, so what I think is interesting, and we should also keep in mind, um, is that um, 
Barbie is very lucrative. I mean, we've discussed her American appeal, but she also has an international appeal. And Azusa's talked about some of that in her own life and her own uh, coming around to collect Barbies. I mean, this is this toy is billions and billions of sales every year. And I am just uh, fascinated by the fact that it's so nakedly commercial, if you will. So it would you would seem to think that that might take the edge off of the nostalgia or the feeling of warmth toward it. But yet, Emily, it has not. <laughs> no, it, it definitely has not. I mean, I think cynically, I think for this movie, um, Greta Gerwig and Mattel are sort of using each other, right? They they get to sell toys and she gets to explore themes like feminism, feminism and identity and whatever else is in there on while using this very beloved, um, very identifiable toy, commercial product as a vehicle. Um, so I think there's that. And I also think, you know, Mattel has, I think part of the reason that Barbie has endured is that Mattel, and I don't want to give them too much credit, right? They're a corporation, but they have recognized that that Barbie of 1959 could not stay the only Barbie throughout time. And I think as, you know, as we were talking about earlier, responding to society, um, you know, over time that sort of, well, this is just going to be a blank slate. You can project anything onto, and oh, by the way, she's um, white and has this perfect body and she's blonde, that changed. Um, and so you, you've seen Mattel over time uh, respond to sort of societal pressures in a way that I think is, again, not to give them too much credit, but that, that I think is good. Um, and I think we're seeing that reflected in the movie as well, which perhaps makes it seem a little more up to date and less commercially craven, if that <laughs> oh. if that makes sense. Oh no, that's interesting because um, you know, all of you answered the question: when when did you get your first Barbie or or begin to collect or pay attention? And I'm a black woman, and I had Barbies, and so did my sister, who's also black. <laughs> and we had the original ones, and then, you know, at some point, the when the ones uh, that were, you know, African-American and, you know, took on the other roles, president and everything else, uh, that became very interested, uh, interesting to us. So it's fascinating that it appears that across the board, something's going on there. Azusa has identified it for herself that makes that doll very, um, makes kids very responsive to it, no matter where they are and no matter how very different the doll is from them, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, there wasn't um, a black Barbie doll. Well, Barbie got a black friend in 1968 as a response to the civil rights movement. The first black Barbie doll came out in the 1980s. So this is, you know, over 20 years after the the invention of the toy. Um, so you can say, well, that was 21 years later, like what took them so long? Or you can say eventually they responded. But in, in either case, um, they sort of did have to keep up with the times. So you, you do have, you know, <laughs> Barbie sort of reinforcing her own appeal. I think they're approaching it in sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek, intellectual, um, feminist way. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Tongue-in-cheek, intellectual, feminist way. That's covering a lot of ground. Um, Azusa... I want you to de describe some of your favorite pieces that you have collected over the years. You don't know how much stuff you have, but you say maybe 500 pieces. Um, but you have some really unique pieces. Oh, my God. That's so hard to pick. But uh, I I have a cute, like, a little fancy purses, like a fancy Barbie purses, which was, uh, like, $1,500 and 
you know, like there's a very precious to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And also, I love. Well, I also do a lot of DIY actually. And me, yeah. So like all my kitchen got Barbie nice. Like I have Barbie kitchen honor. And I should mention that you know you dyed your hair pink. Um. In real in real life, you are a nail technician, and um, of course, you know how to do Barbie hot pink nails very well. I want to I want to make it clear, or let you make it clear, that you don't get just because it's a Barbie item, you don't get it. You're very particular now at this point about what oh, yes. should be in your collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It cannot be Barbie is. It has to be like officially licensed by Barbie. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the reasons that when you moved from Japan um, to uh, California, where you live. Um, was the dream house. <laughs> You'd be closer oh, to the bar. Oh and that, now, there's a real life dream house if people don't know about it. And it's one of the things that's driving a lot of the interest right now. All kinds of tours, everything. This is a recent Barbie dream house commercial for the toy from 2022. The dreamiest house on the block. Pool party. A slide for me. Barbie dream and my puppy. Adorable. Whoa, the lights change. I just want to point out that that is really updated from the first commercial we saw. Seems to hit all the points. And oh, by the way, those tours of the bar, the Malibu Barbie Dreamhouse, the big one, the real one, are very popular right now. Uh, so folks are doing that. One of the things that you point out in your article, um, Emily, is about how other companies, these are the ones that have been selling to Azusa, or she's been picking up, got on board and they make the lunch boxes, the the pool floaties, all the rest of it, and a lot of that stuff also ended up with Julie's friends and um, and um, uh, enthusiasts on her on her boat cruise because they came with it. So all of this Barbie collectiveness in terms of items has helped also uh, stimulate the excitement around not just the movie but Barbie itself, Barbie herself, I guess I should say, um, Emily. Yeah, I think it's it just speaks to how still all of these decades later, how drawn to this doll people are that you like, you know, I bought my tickets to see this movie and they're like, do you want a Barbie lunchbox? Um, which I did not, but, <laughs> but, but it, it's, I mean, it's really, it's, it, they're, they're making merch <laughs> and people are buying it because it's still, it's the, the, she still has that pull. Um, we found a clip uh, from a Barbie fan on TikTok expressing her love for Barbie and Pink. I love Barbie and I'm so excited to see the movie. So I feel like it's only right if I'm giving Pink, 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 Pink all month. I just want to point out that Barbie's signature color, the right color pink, is sold out across the country. So that just lets you know, Julie, that the stuff that you provided on your cruise is now, collect. there are now collectible items. On eBay, don't don't ask questions. <laughs> you had the drinks, the napkins, the cups. You got it all <laughs> for that cruise. Will you do anything else, Julie? Will you add something to it as this as the the fever pitch keeps going? I'm hoping to just do some giveaways for some movie tickets and movie passes to give um, some Barbie fans uh, the chance to go see the film. Okay, as we bring this to a close, I'm really curious about um, um, what if you all can go back to the moment when you got your first Barbie items and think about how you felt at the time. We've said, 
and repeated what Ruth Handler said, that it's supposed to be a way for you to sort of see yourself on it. Even the therapist said that. Um, but do you remember that childlike excitement or, in the case of Azusa, <laughs> your excitement in general? So, Azusa, I'll start with you because how'd you feel when you got that first item? Um, I was just so, so excited to get the box because um, to me, it shows it was presenting like a cool American culture. Now, at some point, I don't know, maybe you'll run out of space with all the stuff that you have collected. Will you consider at any point in your life to maybe give it to a historical archive or, or are you just passing it on to family? What are you, what are you doing? Well, or are you I'm just going to keep it? <laughs> I, I'm Japanese. I'm so good at organizing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds but, like you're keeping it. <laughs> I mean, you know, first, yeah, I'm not going to give away anything, but uh, I. But we Barbie people always like trade things or like give away things to each other. So yeah, but I will still keep them. I mean, I will never stop collecting. All right. And you're not worried that after the movie dies down, all that fever that Barbie is no longer popular. You you do you think she'll remain popular in the future? Oh, all right. I don't really care <laughs> because okay. I just, gotcha. yeah, yeah, I would just support Barbie forever. Okay. All right, Julie Russell, go back to that childhood memory of getting that those first Barbies and tell me how you feel. And also tell me what do you think uh, Barbie's future is? I can tell you exactly when I got my Barbie dream house from Santa when I was about <laughs> eight or nine years old. And I think that was the only present I cared about. I sat in front of that dream house for hours and hours and I just played with it for the next, I think, full year. Um, yeah, I just I can vividly remember that memory so specifically. Um, and I think I don't, you know, just seeing the hype from my personal event and around the movie, I, I don't really see it, you know, going away. I think that there are true Barbie fans and that's never going to change just because there's a movie or not. OK, so finally to you, Emily, um, go back to that childhood moment of getting that first Barbie and and then project forward. Yeah, the childhood moment that I remember, um, as, I, as I said, I played Barbie with my sisters and with my sister. And so I can just remember sitting with her and like telling her, OK, now you need to make your Barbie say this, so that my Barbie can then say this. Not to it's, it's cliche, but who, truly, who, who knows what the future holds? And I, I think that Mattel as a company will need to continue to respond to the way that society shifts and changes. Um, but I think that that the same impulses that propelled this doll to be the best-selling doll of all time, um, those are fundamentally still here. All right. Barbie forever. That's what I'm hearing from all of you. I thank you all for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for having us. Julie Russell is the founder and CEO of Fangirl Fantasy, an event planning company in Greater Boston. Emily Tamkin is journalist and author of the Smithsonian Magazine article, A Cultural History of Barbie, and Azusa Sakamoto, a renowned Barbie collector and founder of Azusa Barbie. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We're going out on the new Barbie song by hip-hop artists Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and Mariam Hadara, who is also our intern. Our engineer is Dave Goodman. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. 
I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. You still in doubt. And I'm bad like the Barbie. I'm a dog, but I still want to party. Pink felt like I'm ready to bend. I'm a 10, so I pull in a can. Like Jazzy, Stacy, Nikki. All of the Barbies is pretty. All of the Barbies is bad. It girls. And we ain't playing tag. Bobby ain't nothing to play about. He want to play in the playhouse. The thing will say now. I'm watching these boobs. I'm rubbing a stain out. Like I'm ready to bend. All the fake Barbies just want to pretend. Like, hold on, let me go find me a pen.